The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone on the West Coast. And welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Today, we're talking about the earth about farming, about taking care of our land. And our guest is author and fourth-generation farmer Eric Herm, who was raised on a 6,000-acre cotton farm near Big Springs, Texas. And his, his book is Son of a Farmer, Child of the Earth, which was awarded the Book of the Week by Organic Consumers. And he's featured in the upcoming documentary, Farmlandia, and by Dan Weber. He's also a featured speaker for the National GMO Right to Know Movement, which advocates the labeling of genetically modified foods. In October of 2011, he addressed crowds in front of the White House at the GMO Right to Know March. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me. Okay. What are GMOs? Genetically modified organisms. Uh, This is basically seed that has been taken. Uh, it's made, they're messed with in a laboratory and inserted with genes from pesticides and herbicides that allows uh, farmers to spray herbicides directly on the crops. And uh, they're supposed to be resistant to certain insects, uh, but the insects have mutated over time and some varieties are no longer working. Uh, so a lot of our food crops, we're talking about Corn, cotton, canola, soybeans, and sugar beets are primarily 90% genetically modified. So we're eating food that has pesticide and herbicide genes in it. Hmm. What are the potential health risks? Long term, we're, we, we won't know. <laughs> we're very much guinea pigs in this uh, type of genetically modified food. Results that came out in 97, 98 that were done by Arpad Pustai, who was the leading genetic researcher in the world, did tests on rats and mice, and they had everything from spleen damage to liver atrophy to lesions on their stomach and intestinal walls, as well as um, higher cancer rates. And not only that, but shrinkage of their organs, everything from the brain to the testicles. Wow. And this were, this was animals? Yes, mammals. Mm-hmm. Mm. What foods contain GMOs and what foods do not? Well, that's a good question because we don't have labeling in this country, and that's what we've been pushing for. But the crops that I spoke of, uh, talking about corn, cotton, canola, soybeans, and sugar beets, there's a 90% chance that those foods 
are genetically modified. And you're talking about, look at processed foods, for instance, your candies, snack food. 80% of that's genetically modified ingredients. Uh, you look at sodas. Uh, that's high fructose corn syrup. It's not real sugar. It comes mm. from corn. That's genetically modified. You look at the beef, uh, the meat that we're eating for us carnivores, everything from beef to chicken uh, to pork, they're fed primarily genetically modified feed because uh, corn, canola, and soy make up most of the livestock feed in this country. So it's pretty much in everything that's not organic or uh, certified organic. Um, even rice. There's been plots of genetically modified rice in the country. So now explain, explain, Eric, if, if you go, if you plant organic, when someone buys organic, and there's a big controversy about that, people think, oh, I don't need to buy organic. But when you buy organic, then you automatically get away from the GMOs, yes? Ideally, yes, but it's not the way things are happening now. You're looking at uh, some farmers up in the northwest, I know, in Oregon and Washington State where they've had cross-pollination from genetically modified sugar beets. Uh, there's no laws in place, or the laws that are in place are not effective enough. There needs to be a wider barrier between genetically modified crops and organic crops. There mm-hmm. is some um, cross-pollination, but when it's certified USDA organic, uh, there can be no contamination. Mm-hmm. So it's still, there's still a problem. Now, you farm 6,000 acres in West Texas, which is mostly cotton. Why did you stop planting the GM cotton? Because I started researching and ed- educating myself. Uh, you'd be surprised how many farmers, and when I say how many, it's well over 90%, don't really know what these type of seeds are, what they're doing, the destructive methods that's happening to the soil, to everything in the process. So it's, it's, it's an easier way to farm. It's not just the cotton. It's affecting the other the other crops. Well, it, it affects the soil first and foremost because you look at how many how much more herbicides are being sprayed now because of genetically modified crops. I used mm-hmm. to, when they first started, Roundup was really effective. So they sprayed one time and they were done. But now glyphosate, which is the active ingredient, uh, the soil is becoming resistant to it. Weeds are becoming resistant to it. So now weeds are no longer killed where Roundup was sprayed for a long period of time. So they started to spray two or three times a year. That wasn't doing it. And so they started upping their rates. And now we're getting into more destructive herbicides to kill these weeds. Mm-hmm. So now you are converting to organic uh, farming. How is that going yeah. on your Oh, it's going well. We've been in a, a major drought. 2011 was a record drought here in Texas, so nothing grew. Hardly any weed grew. And uh, But it that was my first year in the organic process. So over the last, starting five years ago, we eliminated uh, pesticides and commercial fertilizers, which is a huge, huge step for our farm. Uh, and so while we're not organic on most of the acres, we have eliminated almost all all those types of destructive uh, types of chemicals or anything that's not natural. Mm-hmm. So what, do you, what differences are you noticing between your farm and other farms, neighboring farms? Well, ours, our soil is healthier. There's less soil erosion. There's less 
we have wind storms rather severe out here in West Texas, and sandstorms are infamous in this area. And our fields do not blow because we've rotated in other crops rather than just depending on cotton. Uh, also, our our cotton crops are healthier. Uh, they'll sustain droughts longer than our neighbors will. Now I have and we're starting to get earthworms in fields where we never had earthworms before, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that shows, like you said, that uh, we're not killing things, we're growing things, right, with the earthworms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, the question I had about the cotton is we're not eating the cotton. So if you did genetically modified cotton, would that affect us in terms of our clothing? I mean, can that still affect us even though we're not ingesting it? Yeah, I mean, it has to. If you've ever purchased or owned organic clothing here recently, you can feel the difference in the fibers. It's a smoother, it's just a cleaner feel. Um and also, when you think about clothes we're wearing on our skin day in and day out, and the fact that that's, that's on our bodies, and even though people say, well, you, you know, by the time that gets to in the clothing, all those chemicals are gone, well, there's something called parts per million, things we can't see. And once that plant, I mean, it's in its genetic makeup. I mean, it's not, it looks like real cotton, it feels like real cotton, but it's not. I mean, it's been artificially inseminated with toxic genes. And so no one can convince me that that's uh, the same thing. Yeah, very interesting. Now, what is the government involvement with companies like Monsanto? Unfortunately, there's a revolving door. Monsanto's had a, a very strong foot in the door in our government dating back to the 1980s. Um, there's a lot of key members all the way to the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas was a defense attorney for Monsanto in the 80s. But you look at uh, our foods are in this country, the head of the FDA, Michael Taylor, has ties with Monsanto for more than 20 years. He was vice president of public policy in the 1990s. He was a lobbyist. Uh, he was a defense attorney for them as well. There's There's a very fine line between Monsanto and our government agencies, but yet those those lines are blurred because there's a revolving door. Once they leave Monsanto, they'll go get into the FDA or they'll get into the EPA. They'll get, uh, they're so closely knit with the lobbying and how much money they donate to campaigns and how much they spend on lobbying. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars each year. So where are we in agriculture now? Is is there hope? We're in a bad place. We're in a bad place. I mean, we're we're staring at a fork in the road right now that a positive transition is going to have to happen from all people because the markets are dictated by consumers. And unfortunately, uh, farmers are in pretty deep in this. And you look at California right now, they're getting signatures to get labeling on the ballot for, for November of this year. If that can get passed in California, and I know Washington State and Oregon are in the beginning processes of trying to get legislation going, that will send a huge rippling effect across the country because we don't have it at the federal level right now. We're one of a few countries across the world that don't. There's more than 50 countries that have labeling mandated or or have even uh, boycotted or, or denied GMOs altogether within their borders. Us mm-hmm. in Canada have neither. Mm-hmm. 
Are we, so um, more, are, we, are we more advanced in other countries on this? Are other countries um, following this in terms of staying away from GMOs? No, no, there's no, we're, we're very much behind. Um, you know, unfortunately, these corporations have a much stronger pull in America with the government than they do in a lot of these other countries. Um, but you look, most of the European Union has labeling. I mean, the European Union does have labeling. Uh, you look at even at countries uh, like Ireland, they've stood up and said no more GMOs. Uh, Hungary, um, there's other even countries in Africa that are starting to make stands. Haiti, they sent, after the earthquake, uh, they sent a bunch of genetically modified seed down there to get farmers started again. The farmers burned it right there outside of the loading dock. Unfortunately, here in America, we're, we are far down the list, and it's basically because there's not a lot of awareness in this country. Most people have no idea what GMOs are, especially the farmers, and we're not doing a good enough job of educating and making people aware, and that's why I, I continue to try to beat this drum. All right, let's talk about this again for people just tuning in. Talk more about what a GMO is and why it's harmful. Genetically modified organism uh, that has a seed that has had has a herbicide and a pesticide gene in its makeup. Hmm. So you're talking about corn, canola, soybeans, uh, cotton, sugar beets. Ninety percent of those crops are genetically modified, and they're not stopping there. Alfalfa was deregu- deregulated last year. Uh, there's plots of rice. Uh, they're in the beginning stages of wheat and grass, genetically modified grass, and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep going until we put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what people can do to learn more about changes um, from genetically modified organisms in terms of, um, you know, standing up for organics and uh, really un- Understanding the environmental risks and the challenges. What can the, what can citizens do? We have a few minutes left. Well, it's the daily choices you make. What are you buying? Who are you supporting? Do you bother to, to read the label, the ingredients? Do you look at the company that's producing it? Um, we need to get out and support the local food movement in this country. Find out what's going on in your own communities, in your neighborhoods. Support your local organic farmers first and foremost. If there's not something happening like uh, farmers markets or community supported agriculture, talk with local farmers and and start making something happen. Uh, this is up to each and every one of us. Just because you're not a farmer doesn't mean this does not involve you because everybody eats. We're all in this together and we all need to start working together and create a more sustainable, a healthier type of agriculture in our areas, in our own regions, and uh, this is going to take us also trying to talk to grocery stores, restaurants, uh, harassing your local politicians into getting some legislation passed. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about your book. Your book is Son of a Farmer, Child of the Earth, and it was awarded the Book of the Week by Organic Consumers, and you're featured in the upcoming documentary Farmlandia, by Jake Weber. Talk about that documentary and what we're going to see and how we can find that. 
Well, it, it won't be out uh, for a while, but you can go to her her website. I believe it's farmlandia.us or .net. I can't remember one of those. But it's going to be a cool documentary that basically deals with the soil in this country and talking about farmers all over the country and, and where we are right now in agriculture, how we got there, and what we need to do to get to a healthier place. And uh, the book is written so people can understand what's happening in in commercial agriculture, how vulnerable our food system is right now because we depend on cheap fuel. Uh, the average food travels 13 to 1,500 miles before it gets to your dinner plate. So this is a wake-up call for everybody to get back in touch with nature, get back in touch with our food, and stop taking it for granted, stop taking agriculture and farmers for granted, and even for farmers to stop taking nature for granted. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Eric, that we should buy, try to buy organic? Absolutely, and I know it's I know it's hard for a lot of families when you've got kids, and I've got I've got two little boys, and you're sitting there looking at people make the decision. Well, I can go to McDonald's and and have dinner for everybody for you know fifteen twenty bucks, and why would I go out and spend twelve dollars on a bag of organic apples and you know some bananas and uh, a gallon of milk, and I understand that. But this is an opportunity for us to start doing things a little bit differently, even if it's just thinking differently when we when we buy, go to the store and buy. And you, you may not be able to afford in your budget everything organically, but you'd be surprised how close the prices are. Um, you're talking about just a few cents difference in a box of cereal. And um, we really need to start looking at things differently because we treat food like a commodity. We treat nature like a commodity. It can't always be about dollars and cents because you have to think about how much more we're spending on health care, going to the doctor, on pill prescriptions, because we're eating food that is uh, low in nutrition that is basically toxic to our bodies now. Hmm. All right. Let's have tell people how they can find you and get more information. Go to my website, sonofafarmer.com. Okay, and if they want to write to you? It, you? There's a place on there where you can write to me on, on the contact page. Uh, it goes straight to my email. And uh, that's a really easy, handy way to get a hold of me. Okay. All right. You know, before we go, I have a question to ask you about being the son of a farmer. That's the, the name of your book. Um what do you think is how do you think differently Eric from people who have never been close to the land so I'm sure you meet business people every day people who grew up in families where you know they bought their food they were never near a farm how do you think you're thinking being the son of a farmer is different well I know I know what it takes uh, for food to get to your table I know what it means uh, when you're going to buy products and, th- and thinking about that person in the field uh, that was, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, what it takes to, to make something to get it to where you uh, mm-hmm. people can use it. And mm-hmm. I think there's just a real general disconnect between agriculture and the rest of the population when you consider we represent less than 1% of the American population now. 30, 40 years ago, almost everybody's grandparents or parents grew up on a farm. That's no longer the case in this country. Yes. And I feel like 
most people, we become such specialists in our own vocations or industries, whatever it is we do for a living, that we take everything else for granted. And I know we, we can't do everything. We don't have the, enough hours in the day uh, to do everything, grow all of our own food, but we certainly could become better at uh, educating ourselves on how food gets to the point where we're able to purchase it or at least uh, know how to grow some of this food ourselves if it's just some tomatoes and peppers in your garden. Right. Uh, I, I really think that we've segregated ourselves from nature and, and growing up on a farm, I was blessed to have that opportunity to be surrounded by nature and, and be outdoors most of my life. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really thank you for enlightening our audience today. The book is Son of a Farmer, Child of the Earth. And what Eric is talking about is trying to change GMOs, genetically modified organisms, um, where the pesticides are in our food. And if you want more information, log on to sonofafarmer.com. Uh, his book was awarded Book of the Week by Organic Consumers. And he's featured in the upcoming documentary, Farmlandia, by Jake Weber. And Eric is also a featured speaker for the National GMO Right to Know Movement, which advocates the labeling of genetically modified foods. Thank you very much for being on the program. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.